This is Digital Story Podcast number 925, December 12th, 2023. Today's theme is Make It Better with Bare Bulb Flash. I'm Derek Story. Last week, I talked about holiday portraits and discussed the importance of good lighting. Many photographers these days opt for existing light snaps. They're fine most of the time, but what if I told you about a brighter way to create pleasing portraits? I'm going to do exactly that on this week's TDS Photography Podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Quite honestly, I think a lot of photographers have moved away from flash photography because, well, honestly, they don't like the results or the results that they want are too difficult to get. Why could this be? Well, let's think about, let's just think about the physics of most strobe flashes, right? You have a little tube, very little light tube, <laughs> and then you put it in a little rectangular box and you have a Fresno lens and then that thing goes off and you've got this sort of beam of light, the square rectangular beam of light calculated for the subject, right? So if you have TTL flash, then it's going to say, hey, okay, there's a subject, there's so much bouncing off, let's cut it off here. And you get probably a pretty good looking subject. However, then, and especially this is important for holiday stuff and you know, the things that we're talking about right now, that the rest of the environment is kind of murky and off color. I mean, if it has different light sources back there and you know, the whole thing is just sort of, well, I've got this subject that looks pretty decent, hopefully, but the environment's not so hot. So then you do things like, okay, here's what I can do. I will slow down the shutter speed, right? Still do my TTL flash and get more ambient light and open up the environment. And that works really great as long as all the lighting in the environment is the same for your flash, <laughs> which it never is, right? You've got tungsten lights, you've got fluorescent lights, you've got halogen lights, you've got window light, you've got all sorts of different kinds of light. And then you start getting uh, these different odd colors. So then you just go, okay, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go existing light and take my chances. And you know, with the night mode that we have in smartphones now, that's very doable with the high ISO uh, performance that we have in our interchangeable lens cameras, we can go existing light, but here's the thing. If you ever do a comparison, and this is something that I've just done again, if you do a comparison between how images render or existing light shots, and we're talking about holiday scenes, family, friends, all that kind of stuff, interiors, you compare that to a nicely illuminated shot, uh, there's a big difference. And the tests that I've been doing over the last week has been three different types of lighting. So there's existing lighting and uh, the shadows are, are darker. There's more dark corners, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
regular strobe photography with the rectangular Fresnel lens small tube flash and then bare bulb lighting. Bare bulb, yes, I know. You're going, what is that? <laughs> Why are you talking about that? I don't even know what that is. Or if you do know what that is, you go, well, that's too expensive. I can't afford that. Things have changed. Thing about photography is that just like everything else in life and anything that has any sort of technology base, especially, what was once true may not be true anymore. When I was an apprentice for a studio back in the day, he had these mono lights and he had all sorts of accessories for them and they, they plugged into giant power packs, <laughs> you know, that we needed a, a crane to move around. But the heads were bulbs. They were, they were cool strobe bulbs and we had all these different sort of accessories we could put on them. And, you know, you could have the bare bulb or you could put a little reflector on it, or you could put it in a soft box. You could do all sorts of different things. So even though they were big and bulky and a hassle, they were wildly versatile and could produce some really nice lighting, but they also cost thousands of dollars. All right, so I go, I'm never going to be able to afford that. So I'm just gonna forget about. So I used strobes for years. You know, the kind that we get that goes in the hot shoe. And then when LEDs came around, I started using LED in the studio. And I like those, especially with the color adjustments and so forth. They're very nice, very nice. But I don't like putting an LED light in the hot shoe of my camera. It, first of all, it just looks weird, very weird. Second of all, the throw on the LED is not that great and if i have to put a big enough led to give me enough light i want then it looks even weirder and i'm just walking around like this this glowing creature in the night i don't really like it for that and then i'm not crazy either even though i have to use it a lot especially for my event photography i'm not crazy about strobe photography especially for holiday shots when you're in these festive settings and you want to capture all the essence you want to capture the vibe right it's not just the people you want the vibe you want the environment it's the holidays right we have all sorts of you know glittery lights and sparkly things and candles and ribbon and all sorts of stuff all over the place and we want to capture some of that and have it be supporting the the people that are in the shot so that we really get a feel for how it was to be there. So I was thinking, okay, what, what can I do so that I can have what I want visually, but not have it be this humongous hassle? So I started looking around and I came across something. Uh, and honestly, this just happened a few weeks ago. I came across something and I go, that looks a lot like the mini version of what we used in the studio back in the day and it's called the Godox Lux Senior Retro Camera Flash. Now this thing is a trip in more ways than just bare bulb, but I'll go into uh, as many aspects as I can today. First of all, it's $119 for the unit, $119 for this flash unit. It is not TTL. It's not through the lens lighting 
So you can use this flash with practically any camera. You can use it in the hot shoe of any camera. And then it also has, and I'm going to talk about that uh, a little bit later, it also has optical modes as well. So it can be triggered by another flash. But here's the really cool thing about it. It's compact. Uh, it fits in the palm of your hand. My iPhone 15 Pro Max covers it when it's folded up. When it's folded up, I cannot see it. It's not even nearly as big as my iPhone. It just fits in the side pocket of my camera bag really nice. Now, when I open it up, which I'm doing right now, you can see this, right? I'm opening it up. There is a bulb inside here, and I'm going to hit the switch. You hear that? That is the bulb popping out. Now, that bulb, to me, when I look at it, looks a lot like those studio strobes that I used years ago. They weren't mine. <laughs> I was using someone else's. So then the way that most people typically use this flash, it has a reflector, an old kind of retro reflector that is many blades here and it fans. So then I'm opening it up right now. What we typically call a beauty dish. Uh, it has a nice reflector and it gives a directional light. So that's the way most people use this. Now I'll have a picture in the show notes so you can take a look at it and also have a link to it in the show notes. So it looks like an old time flash where you would put in a bulb, right? You'd take the picture and the bulb would go pop and then it'd be really hot and then you have to use your t-shirt or something to pop it out. <laughs> then you put another bulb in. It looks like one of those flashes, except the bulb stays in there and it's a very sophisticated strobe and not a bulb of glass filled with steel wool that goes boom uh, when an electrical charge hits it. Here's the thing about it though. When I first started using it, I used it with the reflector open and got a nice directional light and was having a lot of fun. But then I said, what happens if I fold this back, which is what I'm doing right now, so there's no reflector and I'm looking at it and I'm going, that's just a bare bulb. I wonder how that would work. Put it on the Nikon ZF. I mean, that's why I got it because it goes perfectly with the retro design of the Nikon ZF. Put it on there, took some interior shots with the bare bulb without the reflector fanned out. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is a pocket bare bulb flash. And I'm going, this is crazy for $119. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it and then we'll get in a little bit to bare bulb technique. The built-in reflector is foldable so you can fold it out and then you have a reflector for directional light or you can fold it up and you have bare bulb. That's first of all that's you know the big deal about this flash in my estimation. Now, when I read the stuff about it, no one's really talking about using it as a bare bulb flash, which I cannot understand at all, but that's all right. It's cool. That's why you listen to this podcast. Okay. It's not TTL, but it is auto. And what that means by that, of course, it has a sensor on the front of it. So you can set it up at F28. You can set your camera F28 ISO 100 and then go into auto mode and then it will take it from there. And I use it in auto mode in bare bulb mode and it works really well. Sometimes I'll do a test shot just to sort of say, okay, I want a little brighter, a little darker, change the ISO a bit, 
You want to lock down your ISO, by the way. You don't want auto ISO. Lock it down at 100, F28, and go. Now, it has a manual mode uh, also. has seven manual output settings. So if you want to go full manual, you can do that. You can set it full power, and then have seven settings all the way down to 1 164th power. And those are really handy. I love a flash that gives me a lot of manual options because sometimes, just like so many other things in photography, it's just easier to do it manually because once you get it, then you lock it in and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And then the other reason why manual mode is nice is because it has two optical modes as well. What does that mean? That means that it also has a sensor so that if you put it in optical one mode, another flash goes off, this flash goes off at the same time. So you can position uh, a flash on your camera and then you can position this flash off to the side or have it somewhere else. And when the camera flash goes off, this flash will go off. But it's even smarter than that. It also has a second optical mode. If your camera has TTL, Sometimes what TTL flashes do is they do a little baby flash first to get the measurement and then they do the big flash. So in this S2 mode, this flash won't be fooled by that first little flash. It won't go off. It'll wait for the second flash. Very clever, very smart. These guys know what they're doing, right? Very nice. So you can use this as a secondary flash and set up all sorts of things. Again, something that when you fold it up, it fits in the palm of your hand. Uh, we used to, have, used to have to have these giant units to do this kind of stuff. You don't have to worry about batteries because it has a built-in lithium battery. It's good for about 150 flashes. I haven't had any issues with it at all running out during a session. There are a couple little things I will tell you about this, though. It comes with a cable, a charging cable. It's a USB-C on one end and then a standard USB, you know, the A type on the other. I saw a USB-C and I go, oh, I can just use any USB-C cable. And it wasn't charging when I did that. And I go, why isn't it charging? Is the flash broken? Is it, you know, did I get something that was defective? It was driving me crazy. Finally, I had a little voice in me say, hey, what if I actually use the cable that you supplied with it and see if that works? I used that cable and it charged just fine right away. I don't know what the difference is. I don't care. But I'm just telling you, use the cable that comes with the flash to charge it. And I'll do a little bit more research about other cables. But for the moment, just use the cable that comes with it. Second thing, since it has a built-in battery and so forth, you go, well, how can I tell what the state of that battery is? Uh, you just push the test button when the flash is off, and then it will blink. If it blinks four times, it's fully charged. Three times, it's three-quarters charged. Two times, half charged. One time, 25% charged. Really easy to, to see at any time how much battery life you have left. Here's what happens when you use it as a bare bulb flash. It lights up the entire area. Light goes all different directions. It goes forward to your subject. It will go up. It will go to the side. It goes everywhere. And then when you have it in auto mode, auto mode is just kind of reading, wow, okay, here's the illumination. 
and then of course it cuts it off when it's been enough and it's funny how even that lighting is how beautiful that lighting is nothing's harsh because you're not aiming a beam of light at the christmas tree you're not aiming a beam of light at grandma you're not aiming a beam of light at anything it's a nice even light and so you can photograph the environment and the people in the environment and it's very pleasing and it looks very nice on top of that people will love this flash because it does have that retro look they're going to be asking you about it now you put this on an Olympus pen, or you put this on a Nikon ZF and they're going to go nuts. People are going to lose their stuff when they see this combination of this retro flash on top of one of those cameras. I have the link to the flash in the show notes. It's called the Godox Lux Senior Retro Camera Flash. Get the Senior uh, because that one allows you to do the bare bulb. It's $119, super compact, easy to use, works on practically any camera. And when you start playing with bare bulb flash, I think you'll go, wow, I kind of like flash photography after all. No, you don't need to buy a new M3 MacBook Pro. And this article is on F-stoppers. And I have a link to it in the show notes. You can read the entire article there. I'm going to read you some of it here. I thought this was interesting. So this is the author uh, writing about his experience with the MacBook Pro. I spent over $4,000 on a new M3 Max MacBook Pro. It's amazing. But after directly comparing it to my M1 MacBook Pro, I've realized it's probably not worth upgrading. Two years ago, I made a substantial investment, parting with $2,700 for my M1 Pro MacBook Pro. At that time, it was a significant chunk of change for me, but what surprised me the most was that it managed to lure me away from my beloved handmade Windows desktop PC. Fast forward to the present, and I find myself contemplating an upgrade, not because my current laptop falls short, but because the M1 Pro has set the bar so high. Now, with the advent of the M3 Max, the question lingers. Is the upgrade worth the exorbitant cost? The M3 Max promises increased speed and efficiency, boasting impressive export times for both video and RAW files. My first test was a simple video export in Premiere. The M3 Max outpaced my M1 Pro, rendering a 9.5 minute video in four minutes and six seconds compared to the M1 Pro's six minutes and 13 seconds. For my second test, I exported 100 RAW files in Lightroom. The M3 Max finished the job in just 47 seconds. The M1 took 78 seconds. These gains are impressive, but here's the real question. How often are you actually exporting files? Once or twice a day? How much are you willing to spend to save five or 10 minutes? In the grand scheme of things, for the majority of users, the marginal gains in speed may not justify the substantial dent in the wallet. 
unless you find yourself in an industry where time is indeed money and rendering projects stretch into the realm of 24-hour marathons, the upgrade may not offer the revolutionary leap you're hoping for. As a photographer and videographer, my M1 Pro has been the best computer I've ever owned. So good, in fact, that I really don't need to upgrade it. I imagine a majority of people reading this are in the same situation. If you can tell that your current computer is struggling to keep up with whatever task you throw at it on a daily basis, it's time to upgrade. But if it's already keeping up, it's probably not worth spending thousands of dollars to save a few extra minutes a few times a week. The reason why I wanted to share this article, and there's also a video that goes with it, and then there's some more detail in the article. So you definitely want to go to F-Stoppers and read this. The link's in the show notes. The reason why I wanted to share this with you is because we fall into this upgrade trap sometimes. Not only with our computers, but with our cameras as well. And I like that he just put some real world numbers to this. Now I have an M1 Pro myself. My laptop's an M1 Pro and I absolutely love it. <laughs> I really do. In fact, I'm reading uh, the show notes right now from my M1 Pro and it is performing fantastic for me. But I have wondered about, you know, the new M3 MacBooks and going, wow, you know, that's like two generations of processors. It has been a while since I've upgraded. Maybe I should, you know, you, you get that sort of bouncing around in your head. And I love it. He's just going, well, if your current computer is not getting the job done, that's one thing. If it is getting the job done, then save yourself $4,500 or however much you spent on this thing. <laughs> $4,000 for the new M3 Max MacBook Pro. I thought it was a nice bit of common sense here and I really appreciated the article. The DP Review Annual Awards, the best photography gear of 2023. I have a link in the show notes and you can go and see all the pictures and all the supplemental information. There's a lot of stuff actually that goes with this post. I'm just going to give you the highlights and I'm just going to cherry pick, uh, you know, like the zoom lens and the fixed lens, all that kind of stuff here. But it's interesting. I always find it interesting what is selected as the best gear in the photo industry, right? By photojournalists. So I'm going to share a few of the winners with you right now. We're going to start out with the best zoom lens. This is the best zoom lens of 2023. The winner is the Sony FE 20 to 70 millimeter F4G. With this lens, Sony has created an ultra wide to normal constant aperture zoom lens that provides much more flexibility than the classic 24 to 70 millimeter focal length. Those extra four millimeters at the wide end make a world of difference. It's a great travel lens, particularly when paired with Sony's newest A7C Mark II and A7CR cameras. Despite its compact size, it delivers the goods visually with sharp results wide open, pleasing bokeh and well-controlled flare. The price for it, it's available for $1,098 
at all the usual places. And that's the Sony FE 20 to 70 millimeter F4. I do think that's pretty cool. I mean, with the high ISO performance of these cameras, it's okay to have an F4 lens because it allows it to be more compact. And look at this range, 20 millimeters to 70. That is a very tantalizing optic. Feels like a very good choice. Let's go to best prime lens. And there were four real contenders here. The Nikon ZDX 24mm f1.7, the OM System 90mm f3.5 macro IS Pro, the Sigma 14mm f1.4, and the Sony FE 50mm f1.4. And the winner is on this one the Sigma 14mm f1.4 DGDN for best prime lens of 2023. It's an astrophotography behemoth that's sharp wide open and is fast enough to collect every bit of precious starlight available. It even has a lens heater retainer for cold nights. When Sigma announced its 14mm f1.8 art lens in 2017, it spurred a new generation of night sky photographers along with similar lenses from other manufacturers. Sigma has reset the bar once again with the 14mm f1.4, earning our award for best prime lens of 2023. And if you did a night sky photography, yes, I could see where this would be super tempting. It's available for $1,599 at all the usual places. All right, let's hop over to best enthusiast camera. Our four contenders are the Nikon ZF, Panasonic S5 2X, Panasonic G9 II, so two different formats there, and the Sony A7C Mark II. So four very good cameras there, and the winner is the Nikon ZF. Here's what they said about it. The Nikon ZF looks a lot like the camera Nikon has been promising to make for several years now, a camera that calls back to its now classic designs of the early 80s, but with modern tech to back it up. And based on our use so far, the review is well underway. It delivers on that promise. Image quality is everything you would expect, but the autofocus takes a big leap forward compared to the Z6 models that preceded it. Video specs are also much improved, but where the ZF really stands out is in the looks department. It's not a camera that you'll want to use for extended periods with a heavy lens, but even after years of retro-styled cameras, the ZF still manages to stand out from the crowd. And all I can say about that is I couldn't agree more. <laughs> just... All right, let's zoom to the end. The product of the year, I guess this is pretty much like the best picture award, right? <laughs> the product, product of the year. Here are the finalists. The Fujifilm GF 30mm f5.6 tilt shift. The Nikon Z8. The Sigma 14mm f1.4. The Sony FE 20-70mm f4.6. G. Okay, so we're somewhat familiar with all of these. And the winner is the Nikon Z8. 
product of the year for exactly the same reason it's our high-end camera of the year. It brings the same capabilities that Nikon delivers to its pro audience in a camera that dedicated enthusiasts might be able to get a hold of. It's slightly smaller than the Nikon's DSLR standard bearer, the D850, while outperforming it in almost every way. Cameras continue to evolve and we suspect more affordable cameras will start to challenge the likes of the Z8 in terms of autofocus or speed or video capabilities. But as things stand, there are very few cameras that have ever offered the all-around strength that the ZF exhibits. There's your product of the year according to DP Review, the Nikon ZF beautiful camera it's on a lot of people's lists all right so i thought you might have some fun with that uh, the heavy hitters according to dp review obviously we have our personal favorites which rarely make the list <laughs> but we still love those items just as much all right stick every little virtual camera club news i want to thank our inner circle members these are the folks that support this podcast month in and month out they also have their own space on Derek story online where they exchange ideas share pictures and just talk about photography stuff it's so much fun talking about photography stuff and it's so great having such a wonderful group of artists to hang out with not only uh, in our inner circle space, but a lot of them show up for our online workshops and also our physical workshops. If you want to join this group, all you have to do is click on the Patreon tile that's on all the pages of the digital story, nose around a bit, and hopefully you will become part of the inner circle in 2024. And finally, I want to give a huge shout out to our friends at Red River Paper, longest running sponsor of the digital story. And also, I have to say, the backbone of our online printing workshop that we're in the middle of right now. I thought I knew a lot about printing. I studied it and I was having pretty good results. And then I started working with Red River Paper when I was doing this podcast, when I started this podcast. And I discovered that there was so much more to learn about inkjet printing and that it's so much fun <laughs> it's that it's truly enjoyable and it's a pretty good investment as well and i just had a moment this week where i was happy about my investment i have still the canon pro 100. this is a printer i talked about how long ago when they were having this special on it and you could get the Pro 100 and a box of 13 by 19 paper for something like $69. It was crazy. It was a crazy. This is a professional 13 inch printer and we could get it back then for $69. And it was selling, of course, when it first came out for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Still using this printer, still using it for our workshop and my personal work. Now I wanted to print to it from a different computer, my Apple Silicon, my M2 Pro Mac Mini. And I was going, well, I'm using, you know, Mac OS Sonoma with this. I wonder if there's a driver for my Pro 100 because I've been printing from the Intel iMac that has uh, older uh, system software on it. Everything's fine. But I wanted to print from the Mac Mini too. 
I go to Canon's site and lo and behold, they have an updated driver for Mac OS Sonoma so that I can use my Pro 100 with my Mac Mini, my M2 Pro Mac Mini. And I'm just going, this is cool. You know, first of all, very happy that Canon is doing this, right? That they're putting in the effort, updating the firmware, the drivers, the software, so we can continue to use their equipment for as long as it is working. And that's fantastic. And I've gotten so much use out of this printer. I've made so many beautiful prints and I'm, it's being supported by Canon. And I just love it. I just, it just was a very feel good moment in this world where it feels like things become obsolete so fast and they're not supported by companies. And this company is standing behind this printer and I absolutely love it. So I'm all warm and fuzzy about printing right now because of that, because we have our online workshop going and because I have Red River paper standing behind me the whole way. If you want to learn more about what they have to offer, just click on the tile that's on all the pages of the digital story, get some paper, make some beautiful artwork for the holidays and share it with others. And a big thanks to Red River paper for supporting this podcast. All right, it's going to do it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Working on more great stuff for next week. Until then, get out there, be creative, take some pictures. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye now.